Our first reading is from the ancient book of Joshua. And this is at the end of the book of Joshua and at the end of Joshua's ministry with the people of God, the end of his life, really. He gathers the people together at a sacred place called Shechem. And he, he asks them if they're serious about following the Lord. And they say, oh, yes, oh, yes. He says, now, don't, don't say that lightly, because the Lord will hold you accountable. He will, will have witnesses to this agreement. So listen now to the reading from Joshua 24, 22 to 27. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. And incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. People said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak in the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, See, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you if you deal falsely with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from the beginning of the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him away out of their sight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. If I were preaching in a congregation that was in the African-American tradition, and if I said, can I get a witness? I would expect a, a strong voice to yell out, amen, preacher, amen. And if I had been preaching for a while, you know, maybe 30 minutes, an hour, and I had kind of really got folks on track with me, and I said, can I get a witness? 
I'd expect a kind of spontaneous eruption from the congregation and lots of people. Amen, preacher. Amen. Maybe a little keyboard action, maybe a little tambourine action. But this is a Presbyterian church. <laughs> so if here I ask, can I get a witness? I expect to see some faces with bewilderment looking back on me while we all ponder the question quietly. We are in that Scottish tradition. We're, we're not big on shouting out our faith. We're kind of quiet people, at least when it comes to some things. But what kind of a witness have we been as the church collectively? What does it mean to be a witness to the world today as the church? What have we done as a witness as the church? This morning we pondered those questions as we think seriously about the question, can I get a witness? Well, the world has, to no one's surprise, been kind of difficult lately. I mean, the news is really kind of troubling. I mean, the war in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia, and the rising political tensions around the world, the economic uncertainty, the kind of threats from North Korea, the saber rattling from China. I mean, it is a concerning world. And it's been hard on folks the last few years. There are people in various parts of our lives that are still feeling a little bruised and battered by the world, by the, you know, the political, the economic, the practical reality of kind of doing their job and managing their family when the world has been so crazy. There are folks who feel a little worn out. In the church, according to a Barna survey in November of 2021, Something like 38% of U.S. pastors had thought about leaving full-time ministry in the last year. 38% leaving ministry. It's been a hard season for lots of folks. And as we emerge from those challenges and we face the new challenges, the question is, what kind of a witness are we as the church? What kind of testimony have we been giving to the world, to this world that has so needed the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control of our spirit-filled life together? Have we lived that life? Shared the life? Shown it to the world? If we consider the news in the last couple of years, the news of the church anyway, We've not been a very good witness. This past summer, the Southern Baptist Convention met. That's the largest Protestant denomination. They received a report done by an independent group and reported over 700 cases of abuse within the churches and the Southern Baptist denomination between 2000 and 2019. 700 cases. And not only did it document those cases, but it reported consistent mishandling of cases, mistreatment of victims, and ongoing systemic failure to protect the community. We could add to that witness. Word from the Roman Catholic tradition, the largest piece of the Christian tradition that continues to offer report after report about how they have failed to protect children in their congregations. Hold it. 
You might think that's just a denominational problem, an old church problem, but in the last two years, there have been plenty of other church scandals. Big, wealthy, independent congregations like Hillsong Church, Venue Church, Willow Creek, Ravi Zacharias Ministries have all had ground-shaking scandals in the last two years. And besides those newsworthy headlines, we've all probably had some experiences in our personal news feed or in our personal lives where people have not been very Christ-like. People who carry the name of Jesus either quietly or proudly have not always been good examples of Jesus. But the news is always going to be slanted towards the bad. I mean, that's the way news works. I mean, that's one of the revelations of social media is that bad news is reported more, it travels faster, we remember it better, we share it more often. So if we think just about our personal lives, well, then maybe the church hasn't been all bad news. In fact, as I look at it, the church has been pretty remarkable in the last couple of years. I mean, I've seen churches who've been wonderfully creative and faithful old curmudgeon Presbyterian churches and troglodyte pastors have learned all sorts of technology and done all sorts of creative things. Uh, parking lot worship, worship on AM and FM radios, drive-through food pantries, prayer chain trees. I mean, we have come up with all kinds of ways to stay connected as the church. But is that witnessing? Our reading from the book of Acts sets the stage for the early church. Acts is the second part of Luke's story, the Gospel of Luke. The first part is all about Jesus and his earthly ministry, all about what he did and said. But now the second part of the story we're going to find out is all about the church. It's about the church being a witness from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the world. The church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is to give witness to the wonderful and amazing work that God has done in Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a summary of the book of Acts. Well, that's the good news, right? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, the church gives witness to the wonderful and amazing love of God in Jesus Christ. That's good news. But if I asked you to go and knock on doors in your community and tell people that good news, you'd probably just say no. I mean, after all, that's why you hire pastors, right? I mean, we can talk about all kinds of things with our neighbors. You know, politics, weather, the economy, gas prices. But we're not particularly good at talking about our faith, about where God is showing up in our lives. That's a problem for us, particularly for us mainline folks. In her study, Unbinding the Gospel, Martha Grace Reese reports an, an epic survey done by the Lilly Endowment on Evangelism. And she concludes that we in the mainline are wonderful at articulating our faith in our beautiful theology, in our wonderful hymns, in our beautiful liturgy, and we are terrible at talking to people about just the basics of God, Jesus, and the Bible. 
And she doesn't mean just the people out there. She means even among ourselves, we are hesitant to talk about where personally God is showing up, about what this particular thing in our lives is doing and how to pray for one another. We have deep faith, she concludes, deep faith that has sustained us through the troubles of the world and yet we are reluctant to pass it on. But maybe that's because we have the wrong idea. Maybe that's because our image of what it means to pass on the faith is, is a little skewed. Maybe you think something like this. You're in the parking lot at Walmart or some big store and uh, you know, you're kind of getting back to your car and someone says, well, can I ask you a question? You think, oh, what's this? Okay, you kind of nod and the person says, do you know Jesus? Before you can kind of respond to that, they kind of jump in with a five-minute summary of the gospel message, ending with a request to say the sinner's prayer to you, with you right now, or would you rather just go to hell? <laughs> Is that being a good witness? And that may be what we think of as witnessing, but that's not our approach for sure. We're more comfortable with that quiet approach. You've probably heard it said, preach the gospel often, use words if necessary. That saying is falsely attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but it fits us Presbyterians pretty well. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. There's a good camp song. Wow, that's us. We think people will know Jesus by being kind and nice and good, by opening our churches to community events, by taking up little offerings for people in need, by opening ourselves to food pantries and other support groups. But is that being a witness? The term witness occurs 14 times in the book of Acts. You are a witness. We are witnesses. You shall be a witness. God is my witness. And not only does Luke use that word often, but he has structured his whole book of Acts according to the idea of giving witness. There are five major dialogues. Some action happens, and then someone gives witness to it. They explain what that's all about. But what is this all about? If we look at that reading in the Old Testament, it gives us some context. Joshua, as I said, gathered the people at Shechem for this ceremony at a holy place. And scholars would tell us that this is a, a kind of normal event, that people often gathered in public places to do covenants or contracts with one another, to uh, make a contract about buying property or about selling animals, they would kind of swear an oath to one another and it would be witnessed and it would be a done deal. And so Joshua has laid this out as a formal contract between Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, the God of Abraham and Sarah, Miriam and Moses, and these people. And he has said, now if you forget this contract, it's been witnessed. You yourselves are witnesses, but if you become unfaithful and you forget, if you become old and you're forgetful and your children and your children's children no longer remember what you said here, then this stone shall be a witness against you. The Lord will have a witness. 
Maybe Luke thought of that particular story when he wrote in the Gospel of Luke. How on Palm Sunday, as Jesus comes down into Jerusalem for the last time, and the crowd is shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, oh save us. And the Pharisees are trying to get them to hush up, and they tell Jesus, shh, shh, your, your disciples are causing a stir here. And Luke, and only Luke, says, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out, the Lord will have a witness. And that story in Joshua, and indeed all the Old Testament, tells us that this word witness is not a churchy word, it is a legal word. The idea of being a witness was common in the ancient world and important. That it could be a person who witnessed an event and had to testify it about this crime or that event. It could be a marker at a property line that gives witness to an agreement between neighbors that that is the property line. It could be a written contract. It could even be a stone that witnesses to an agreement and to an event. And the ancient court system thought witnesses were so important to keeping people together and people on the same track that that's one of God's top ten rules for us. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And traditional Hebrews even today take that so seriously that it is wrong to spread rumors or gossip or falsehood because if you didn't see it personally, you might not know that it's true. And thou shalt not bear false witness. So perhaps Luke isn't using a churchy word here. Perhaps he's not saying, go and witness the people and beat them on the head with Jesus. But he's saying to us a legal word. If you've seen something, you have to say something. If you've seen something of God's presence in your life, in your community, in your church, you have to say something. When you're called upon like a rock, you have to give witness to it. And one of the ways we get that wrong is thinking that we have to have all the answers ahead of time. That we have to have it all worked out. We've got to have a PhD in theology. We've got to have all the answers to the top 100 questions. We have to be ready to debate with somebody about what God was doing in their life and why their troubles have come upon them when all we are being asked to do is point to some place that God has been in our lives, in our journey. We're not being asked to defend it all, explain it all, elaborate on it all, just point to a personal moment. In the book of Acts, again and again, something happens and people give testimony. Some of those events are miraculous, like in our story today where Jesus ascends into heaven. But some of them are pretty ordinary. Jesus eats with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But again, people are being asked to give witness to where God is in their lives. And if we got used to that idea of, of talking about folks, talking about what's going on with God in our lives, maybe we'd get more accustomed to seeing what God was doing in our lives. And maybe we'd mention something to someone about what God was doing in their life, what amazing, loving thing God was doing in his subtle, amazing way. And they would realize that God had, in fact, already been in their life. And they hadn't really acknowledged it. 
How we live together in the world with one another and with God matters. How we get along, people need the Lord. But we're not always good at saying that. Six years ago, I was on a sabbatical and I was visiting churches, taking notes and looking at how they engaged their communities. How they welcomed people, how they uh, reached out to their community, what they were doing in the world, not to build their church, but to engage the world. And I was not surprised, but a little disappointed that really we're pretty bad at welcoming people. It was a rare thing that I would walk into a church and someone in the church would really welcome me. Well, maybe they shook hands or said, you know, good morning, but often they didn't even do that. And if we can't welcome the stranger who wanders into our building, what hope is there for the stranger who is wandering around the world? Is it just the rocks and trees that will give testimony to God's amazing power and love? Will there be no other witness? And we shouldn't take this lightly, this witnessing. In Luke, this word witness happens at wonderful times like Pentecost, when the church is on fire. But also sad and tragic times, like when Stephen is killed. And Luke uses the word witness there, and it becomes a reminder to us that this word witness, which in the Greek is martyreo, is in English martyr. Because some people witnessed unto death. Since the year of my birth, the Presbyterian Church has declined numerically in membership. Oh, and there's lots of demographic and sociological reasons for why that is. And we could say that there are other churches that have sprouted up, and there are some congregations that have been doing wonderful ministry, and some have grown, and some have become new churches. Yet if I live to be 100, according to a new Pew Research Center research paper, Christianity will no longer be a majority in America. Oh, the research is full of lots of guesses and maybes and what ifs, but the direction of decline is clear and they point the finger to people who unaffiliate from the church. People who grew up in the church or were baptized or married in the church who no longer think of themselves as Christian and on the survey, they mark none for their faith. None. Uh, perhaps they feel like, well, they don't really have any problems. Life is good for them. Everything's going well. And besides, they've done it all themselves. They don't really need God, they might think. Maybe they've been listening to the news and they think that rocks and trees give a better witness to what God is like than Christians. Yeah, just maybe. Perhaps they're so overwhelmed and defeated that they're not even sure they want to look for God. We don't really know unless we ask them, don't really know unless we try to get to know them on their terms. But that growing number of people who don't know the loving, amazing power of God in their life makes me really ask the question, can I get a witness? Amen.